I still don't know if I like that intro. It's getting there. It's very saved by the bell. Don't know if it's good. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Retro Chat Podcast. Andy here. Joining me is my guest at this time, making his Retro Chat debut. Uh, it's Glenn Redler from GX Accounts. Glenn, how are you doing? Hey, hey, Andy. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on on the show. Um, I should probably start up with uh, the old chestnut long time listener first time caller but uh <laughs> yeah and and I'll, I'll just say that's the first time i've seen your intro graphics love it absolutely love it so you got you got a fan here oh perfect well that's what we like right let's let the let's everybody know a bit more about glenn so of course our guest for this today is glenn redler from gx accounts uh check him out on social media at facebook instagram and twitter by searching for gx accounts and what you will get is the best in cloud-based accounting, uh, courtesy of all the guys at GX Accounts. Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, no, I could go on and say all the things I do in my spare time. Uh, um, I'm, a, I'm an ex-hockey player. Um, I'm a wrestling fan, as we're, we're going to find out tonight. Um, yeah. uh, but ultimately, uh, in, in my spare, in my real spare time, I do a bit of accounting work, basically. I try and have a bit of a laugh with it. Try and keep it fun and friendly. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's it, really. Fantastic. Right. Now, before we crack on with today's little topic, which we'll tell everybody what it's going to be in a moment, if you want to get in contact with us here at the Retro Chat Podcast, you can do. All you need to do is go to what's on screen, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Retro Chat Podcast. You can tweet us at Retro Chat Pod, and you can now subscribe on all of the main platforms, including Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and anywhere else. And did you know, Glenn, did you know that starting with this episode, we're going to be video casting directly to Spotify? Wow. That's no, I did not know that. That's that's news to me. That's news to me. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know Spotify. You could do video stuff on Spotify, if I'm brutally honest. So it's it's brand new. It's only a select number of content providers are able to do it at the moment. Um, and yeah, we're we're going to be doing it. So what will happen is, if you are listening on Spotify, you will have the option to either watch the video or listen to the audio. Uh, your choice, what you want to do. Of course, on YouTube, you can watch the videos in their entirety. On Spotify, you'll be able to do the same thing. Um, any other provider will be audio, but Spotify will give the option to watch the video. Uh, so you now get to see us in all of our 720 HD glory uh, right here at the Retro Chat podcast, which is going to be cool, I think, I hope. Now, before we crack on with the topic, I mean, you and I have been talking uh, off air before we went live. There is something that the guys will see in the back of your room that uh, that you showed me earlier on, and that's Ecto-1. Um Tell us about that, because it looked to me like it was just a, a, an action figure, like a, a model. But it's a bit more than that, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can't really tell because it's, it's a little bit far, far away there. But basically, it's a Lego kit. Um, I don't know whether uh, many of your listeners will be into Lego. I imagine they probably will be. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll be honest. I haven't done a Lego kit for probably at least 25 years. Um, and uh, earlier this year, I saw that they they... they done a really nice ecto-1 model um part of their kind of more expensive range let's say and um 
yeah, it was a bit of a, a present after last tax return season was done and dusted um, and spent, uh, I suppose it was, a lot, it was lockdown really, um, while we were earlier this year in lockdown, um, spending a little bit of time each night putting that together, nice relaxing thing to do, but it's nice, it's, it's a nice bit of kit. Um, it looks, yeah, amazing. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it's, and you said it's got engine noise and it lights up and all that type of thing. As I, well, well it's, got, it's got it's got an engine, uh, mm-hmm. so you build the engine as part of it. Uh, it's got a few little uh, tweaks. I press the button on the side, and the door will fly open. And uh, um, another button, or there'll be a, a, a trap uh, that will actually fly out the back of the car. So there's all sorts of those sorts. The more kiddie stuff is there built into yeah. it as well. Uh, with these sorts of kits as well, you can get um, you can actually buy the lighting kits for them usually on um online somewhere or other that they add in about 20 30 quid um obviously not part of the official model of it but um it it does make a nice extra to it i didn't go down the route on this one i thought i liked it just as it is Uh, i'll tell you who who would love that would be lawrence from the ministry of slam he would Uh, go nuts for that (laughs) and i have actually done something um i did something a bit weird with it really as well was every time i built one part of it i took a picture of it so on my phone at the moment, I've got 700 pictures of it in various different things that I want to, at some stage when I get a bit of time, um, actually put into a little uh, slideshow and then have it show it being made and all the different elements to it. So at some point, um, life of life as an accountant is a little bit busy at the moment, but at some point I will be uh, putting that together um, so and, and sticking it online somewhere or, somewhere or other. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, you know... We're all we're all we're, we've all grown up a little bit, but we're still kids at heart. And um, I think you know things like Lego and stuff. You think to yourself now. I mean, if you got if you got children, I imagine that you know you you you're probably going to be going through the same scenario that my parents used to go, where they walk in to see you and then realise they've stood on a a nice four piece a four bit uh, brick and, and will scream out in pain. But um, but essentially, you know, it's 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 taken I think a little bit of a different form now, and it's it's um you know more collectibles with the star wars range and stuff like that that's out mm. there i mean um you know I, I i i'm not hugely into star wars um sort of memorabilia or stuff but the millennium falcon uh model which is i think it's actually back about 500 quid i think to to get that one um seven thousand pieces i mean and the intricate detail in it now is just unbelievable it, um, it would definitely keep you quiet for a while wouldn't it it would do. i think that was you know, part of the reason my wife agreed to it, so <laughs> agreed to be buying that one. So, um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Right. Well, that is just amazing. What a cracking thing to do. Have you seen Afterlife yet? Not yet. Not yet. Um, it's no, on. Uh, no, I want to. I'm trying to avoid all the all the spoilers um, at the moment. All I can say is I've, I've seen the trailer, um, the last trailer, and just thought. Yeah, I've got to get to see that, and I haven't been to cinema in an awfully long time, so that will be uh, that will be a trip out at some point very soon, hopefully. Yeah, my, my my wife told me last night that she wants to go see it as well. Now that really did surprise me. So uh, yeah, we're going to be getting a babysitter and going off to the local cine world or wherever <laughs> to watch Ghostbusters Afterlife. I can't believe she wants to see it. I'm, That's, I'm a really That's a win. That's a win. Absolutely. <laughs> right, let's do it. Let's talk about what we're here to talk about today because. This month of November, as we all know as wrestling fans, is really known for one thing. That's right, AEW Full Gear. No, sorry. The WWE and, of course, Survivor Series. And back in 2001, we did 
or they did the Survivor Series pay-per-view, which was the end of the Alliance. And it was the winner-take-all storyline that was culminating with this big dream match, which was the winner-takes-all Team Alliance, which is WCW and ECW versus Team World Wrestling Federation, with the winning company going out, remaining, and the losing company going out of business. Now, what do you remember about the pay-per-view, first of all? Because the the invasion angle was a bit pants, if we're going to put it politely, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I probably, I mean, I know when we, we spoke about setting this up, you know, and I said this, I, I probably see this through more rose-tinted spectacles than perhaps other people, purely because for me, um, 2001 was the second year, the first full year that I was into wrestling. So it was, it was not, I mean, when I've heard you talk about, you know, back in the early nineties and this happened and that happened for me, I, I came into wrestling and found wrestling. Um, I think it was around about March, 2000. I finally convinced my parents to get a, um, an on digital as it was then, uh, <laughs> box that allowed us to get sky one for the first time. My parents were so anti-Sky, it was ridiculous. Um, so we got Sky One for the first time. And I think like the very first thing I saw was potentially the final SmackDown before WrestleMania that year. Um, and I kept on watching that. I kept on just watching that. I never, I couldn't see Raw. Um, the internet wasn't really working in our household. My dad used to get really annoyed at the fact that the phone, uh, the, that he couldn't speak to people on the phone each evening. So it was kind of quite rationed. Um, but um, but yeah, so so for me, coming into 2001, um, I'd finally convinced my parents that we should upgrade on digital, or at least upgrade in the sense of pay for the Sky Sports package so I could actually watch some of Raw um, and I could actually watch SmackDown and see some pay-per-views um, mm. other than um, the ones that were on Channel 4 at the time, because that was oh. that was another thing that Channel 4 would show them and they were edited and they had adverts in the middle and all those sorts of things. So um, for me, this whole invasion angle, the whole 2001, I mean, we're rolling off of WrestleMania X7, which for me is my WrestleMania. That is, that is I can I could list out those matches one after the other, what happened, or what, what order they were in and what was going on. Um, and then just, a, you know, just before that, we hit this this whole WCW's been bought by the WWF at the time, um, and the whole whole um, storyline of actually it wasn't Vince who bought it; it was actually Shane. Shane had been Vince to the to the to to, to get the, get WCW, and so the whole invasion angle for me was just like, oh my god, what is you know what is this? I don't understand. I don't even know who WCW is. I've not or, or even ECW. I don't know. But there's all of a sudden all these new people coming on board and 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 there's all this craziness. Now, I don't know what it was like for you, Andy, at the time. You know, you, you might look at this as kind of where I would look, possibly somewhere around 2006, 2007, where mm. the story started to kind of get a bit run down in the WWE. It was, um, you know, everything became very methodical almost. Um, I mean, it, it, to me, it was just like, open season i just i didn't know what was going to happen next and maybe maybe you were the same but it was yeah i think i think that's a really intriguing perspective to look at it because you know i haven't spoken to someone who 
really started getting into it around the time of the invasion. So when you're talking to wrestling fans, especially after what 15 years of doing wrestling podcasts, it becomes kind of uh, the norm that that people have been watching it back in the 80s. You know, I started watching it in 87, 88. First pay-per-view I watched was WrestleMania 3 and then developed it on all the way through. Well, going into the alliance angle, when you thought of the possibility of McMahon owning WCW and the WWF and then ECW at the time, as a wrestling fan, it was, oh, this is this is the holy grail. This is, we're going to see these matches. We're going to see, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Goldberg. We're going to see, you know, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. We're going to, we're going to see the NWO. We're going to see Sting on, on World Wrestling Federation programming, you know, and then none of that came <laughs> you know none of that came and i think we all kind of looked at it and we were going where are they you know the guarantee contracts came into play so we knew they were going to sit out until at least the end of, of november in some cases if you look at what happened the following night from this the nature boy rick flair debuting back in the wwf um but there was a sense of we're kind of missing out here. We're missing out on these WCW performers. We're missing out on Sting. We're missing out on Goldberg. We're missing out on Scott Steiner. Yeah. yeah. Never thought I'd say that. <laughs> but And instead, what we got was a watered-down Diamond Dallas Page, um, a Chris Canyon who was never used to the potential that, that he had, unfortunately, you know, rest in peace, Um a main event that was Booker T versus Buff Bagwell where on the on the first edition of Monday Night Raw that, that absolutely stunk. And then it just didn't seem to work. And then what you then had was ECW talent and former WCW talent that had already come to the Federation that you already knew were WWF through and through, now joining the Alliance. And it was, yeah, I, uh, I'm a bit, I'm polar opposite to you. Don't get me wrong. WrestleMania X7 will go down as, quite frankly, one of the best WrestleManias of all time. Not just for that match, not just for Rock versus Austin, but it it was just un, unrivaled, I think, at that point. The closest one would be WrestleMania 6 uh, for, for other reasons. Um, but the invasion pay-per-view itself that took place in June, and you can listen back to Ministry on uh, Ministry of Slam about that. It didn't hit the mark. And we get to here, and we kind of feel like we're limping along a little bit in terms of the storyline. But don't get me wrong, the Survivor Series itself, if you took that angle away, the matches that we had on the Survivor Series were incredible. And it stands its test of time as being one of the best Survivor Series that they produced, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the the I think it's you know it, that's in hindsight I can see all that I can see that now um, how much it felt as of you know it still does feels like a wasted opportunity. Things have happened since you know, but it never was the same. We should have seen all those matchups. You know, we could have seen Sting versus Undertaker at, at WrestleMania 18 essentially. You know, and it would have been absolutely amazing off the chart. Um, but I just, you know, as I said, rose-tinted rose spectacles um, there from, from my point of view. And and leading into this, you know, this Survivor Series, and it and it was made to feel like, you know, 
this is everything almost the final match the the final um face off basically um mm. one side one side we're going to be continuing the other side we're all going to get fired essentially essentially and all the kind of as we we'll, we'll go on to talk about I'm sure all the um the kind of turns and twists in the lead up to that backstabbing here left right and center who's the mole everything it was a, a really really good event from my point of view and um I, I really did enjoy enjoy it i couldn't agree more and, and let's touch on it now because this survivor series was the 15th annual pay-per-view uh from the world wrestling federation with 10,142 people in attendance and it also had 450,000 buys took place in north carolina in greensboro which is synonymous, funnily enough, with the NWA and WCW and the Great American Bash and, and Starcade all coming out of North Carolina. So whether or not they meant that to happen or not, a nice little tongue-in-cheek uh, connection there with, uh, with WCW and the NWA. And I think what we all know about the Survivor Series, and one thing that I think is missing now is... It was known for those elimination matches. It was known for being an entire card of four on four or eight on eight, if you're looking at the tag teams. Um, you know, elimination matches of both men and women. In fact, earlier this week or last week, we released the 1990 Survivor Series, which took place uh, in, in Hartford, Connecticut, which was all about Survivor Series eliminations. Um, and this one, again, stellar card absolutely phenomenal uh consisted of a number of different matches and we'll talk about them in just a second so it had eight matches on the card um of which one was on the pre-show and it culminated in the winner takes all match and what was good about this one was this whole pay-per-view was brand supremacy it was alliance versus wwf it was unification it was who is going to remain in that winning company because whoever won the match stayed with the with with the brand then mix that in with the commentary team glenn with jim ross and the maniacal paul Heyman, uh literally playing off each other yeah just just you can yeah. just close your eyes and imagine this is a all, legit feud yeah all night long basically well for months for months and months get getting each other um, Heyman, Heyman, basically, you know, the Alliance are going to win in the end, you know, and you're all going to be out of jobs. We're not going to keep you, you know, you're all going to be out and we're going to run wrestling essentially. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it was, um, it's, you know, when you look back, um, I, lo I used to love Heyman as a commentator again, roast, roast into spect spectacles perhaps, but, um, I used to love him as a, as a, as a commentator that just brought something very different, um, to, to the commentary um throughout that but i think it was also him being the almost very the the obviously with ecw and stuff you know the face the the, the man behind ecw um having him there right in your ear constantly it just it just it just gave the whole the whole dynamic of this could actually go either way i think and, yeah. and that was that was important to the event paul Heyman always reminds me as a car salesman you know, no, no disrespect to car salesman, but he always reminded me of one of those. And, you know, following him again from the late eighties, early nineties, when he was on WCW Saturday night as part of the dangerous Alliance, again, with Steve Austin uh, yeah. and, and Brian Pillman. And as part of that stable, 
um, you know, I grew up with with Paul Heyman, and you could see, I think, here in two thousand one, the early version of the Beast Incarnate's representative or the the head of the tribal chief. You know, you could you could see it coming, but you can also see that mind, that that creative genius, that evil twisted genius that he's got in himself, because the way he used his vocabulary to really kind of sell the story or sell what was happening was an old school heel mixed in with that modern WWF style of storytelling that we know that they, that they like to do, you know, they've got their own way of, of, of doing things. And Heyman is that bridge, I think, between the old school days and this new era, this new world of, of professional wrestling. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's have a look because the show kicked off, as we know, with the pre-show, and that was on Sunday Night Heat. That was a six-man match, and it was just incredible. Lance Storm and Raven from the Alliance going over Albert, Scotty Tuhotti, and Spike Dudley, who had defected from the Alliance, back to the WWF. So we'd already had WWF defecting to the Alliance, Alliance defecting back to the WWF. We knew there was going to be some more coming in this one. Not much can really be said about this match. It was on Sunday Night Heat. It was meant to, to build the uh, the anticipation going into the show but what was interesting was the alliance got the first win of the night yeah you yeah know, so already putting the wwf on the back foot yeah yeah it's um i'm gonna be honest i don't i don't really remember this one at all um right. but 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 the point point was um just looking down through the card your sunday night heat was your kind of build-up match and um you know ultimately um you're, you're essentially your buy-in now um yeah. to, to the pay-per-view um to have um to have have those characters on their perfect perfect lineup for them um what i find interesting and we might talk about this a little bit further on is is when you look at compare this card to what was the invasion pay-per-view um it how different it was you know oh yeah they were all solid hands in the ring basically um throughout them throughout the evening um and um but yeah i mean it was it was basically you know six man match uh, i who who won who won andy uh, the alliance the alliance won yeah, yeah. so it was yeah. um uh raven lance storm and just incredible so yeah. ecw if you want to could it consider yeah. it that way team ecw against team wwf we then moved into the main show and the opening match on the card was Christian, uh, the former Impact World Champion, current AEW star wrestling legend, who was defending the WWF European Championship against Al Snow. Uh, and this was a this was a real close one because Snow uh, performed the snowplow on Christian and got a near fall, uh, after which Christian then performed the unprettier on Snow to retain the European Championship. And, you know, that's a title that we don't even talk about these days the 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 world wrestling federation european championship that was f launched in 1997 with in berlin in germany with the british bulldog david boy smith facing off and beating the late great owen hart in the main event of a raw event a match that you could still put on now on the network and sit there and enjoy because it's two of the best of all time yeah yeah i mean the european championship itself you know it's i i used to love love the, the matches i mean you had the whole 
different different obviously different characters come through with with the different titles and they get elevated using it um um al snow's uh sort of run where he was representing a different european country do you remember that andy yeah. <laughs> amazing stuff amazing stuff and i think it was i think it was um i want to say william regal took the title off of him eventually yes. um yeah, and, and had a had a run with it and you know that was felt right um it was a shame it's a shame it's not around but then again you know there, there's almost too many too many titles in wrestling these days and um i think um but it was a great elevator a great elevator and this was a nice nice little match really between christian and al snow it was because again it was the combination of the two eras you know you've got al snow had been in the wwf for for donkey's years starting off as leave cassidy as the new rockers with marty Jannetty, right the way through to to the al snow that we all know and love and of course had a run in ecw with head which really kind of rejuvenated his career and and turned him around because really great hand but in the world wrestling federation was badly treated and given yeah. some bad characters again it was paul Heyman who really gave him that run christian i mean what can you say about christian that hasn't already been said you know the the guy is a certifiable hall of famer yeah 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 whether or not yeah. that's wwe or or wherever wherever he's i mean he he's you know he's he's always I think with Christian, for me, it's always been, you know, he he doesn't have a huge amount of character. He's always been in the shadow of Edge. I think that's, like, almost been with him throughout his career. Um, yeah. Even now, you're kind of like, you know, Christian in, in AEW is working gradually, but they're kind of pairing him as, as this sort of the old the old hand now, aren't they, to, to, to some degree with with uh, Jungle Boy and um, uh luchasaurus luchasaurus is that right that's it yeah um yeah yeah see haven't spoken about wrestling in so long um so um um but 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 back here 2001 this was the sort of edge and christian had split at this point in time and they were both going on their separate paths and they both sort of intermingle again over the years um it was it was the right place for him at this time i think yeah, I mean, he, I don't think he lasted too much longer after this, but another five, maybe six years in, in the WWE before he moved to Impact. Yeah. And then obviously came back. And I think the unfortunate thing about Christian, like you said, is he's always in that shadow of, of somebody else. You know, AEW, he came in. It was his final run. He had a classic match with Kenny Omega on Rampage. Absolutely classic match, but then didn't really seem to do anything else after that. And whereas I like this partnering with the Jurassic Express, I'm waiting for that heel turn because I think Christian just works better as a heel yeah. than he does yeah. as a face. He's got one of those faces that you legitimately want to smack into the middle of next week and uh, and, and see him get his comeuppance. So that needs, to, that needs to happen. But at this point, this was the opera Christian. This was... Uh, coming out to the opera music with the masks and, and everything else. This was, I think, where he really got his uh, his good run. Next up, we had our very own William Regal facing off against Tajiri. Uh, Regal, who is now the Alliance Commissioner, having resigned as the WWF Commissioner. <laughs> you, you can't write this. The Alliance Commissioner, who defeated Tajiri with a Regal bomb to win the match what do you what do you remember of this one glenn I, um well the main thing i remember of this is this should have been a unification match um at the time 
Uh, Tajiri was the cruiserweight champion, the WCW cruiserweight champion. Yes. Um, and X Pop was the WWF light heavyweight champion. And the two of them were due. This was supposed to be another unification match, winner takes all. Um, and actually, uh, X Pop was injured. Um, he he he'd suffered an injury in, in a few weeks beforehand. Um, and, and and that was the sad demise of the light heavyweight championship. There was it mm. never came it never came back. Uh, instead, um, the WWE took it on the cruiserweight champion as as that sort of um, belt um, for going forward. Um, and so back we came. I guess they went back to Plan B with Tajiri and put him in in a feud with um, Commissioner uh, Regal. And of course, Commissioner Regal introduced Tajiri to the WW, um, WWF at the time, um, go, going uh, going back as his kind of, um, I don't know what you call it really, his, his, his sidekick. Um, <laughs> Be very the, careful how we I, phrase it. I, I, I am <laughs> careful. Um, but essentially, you know, this was kind of a little bit of, you know, that and, and um, yeah, it, it, I think the one thing I will say is that, you know, it, it ended up with... Um, it was ended up with Regal winning it, um, mm. and I think now at what was that three alliance, uh, three alliance wins to nil. Um, yeah, but um, and I don't know how you feel about. It. I suppose at the time again, this is probably another another discussion for another day. But um, uh, Regal um, uh, Tajiri was was par uh, partnered with uh, Tory Wilson at the time, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was yeah. it was uh, after the match. Um, Regal did uh, he took out Tajiri again, um, and then. Uh, did the same move on Tory Wilson. Now, back then, perhaps we all kind of let it go over our our heads. Having a rewatch of it recently, I don't know how I sit, how that, how I feel about that these days. And it is like that kind of like, hmm, did we really cheer this on back in the day? But there's, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of things. I think you can look at the Attitude Era and kind oh, of yeah. go. There's a lot of things that should never have happened. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and I'm not talking about Kane and Katie Vick, but uh, you know, it, yeah, there's a lot of things that should never have happened, and I totally agree with you. It, in, it's a wonder that the WWF network, or sorry, the WWE network, yeah. have actually kept that in mm. uh, the play because you know now they're on Peacock in the US, they're censoring a lot of a lot of stuff so i always i would have expected that to have been censored quite heavily but yeah i think i think it's i think uh, you know it it does i mean uh, you look at it again look at the time and it was just like oh this is you know regal being full bad guy here um and we want to boo the alliance even more you know this is this is this is this is mm. what's really happening um but yeah regal was obviously commissioner who andy who was commissioner of the wwf at the time then Mick Foley. Hey, correct. Da, 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 da. Sorry. Of, I would just call you King of Wrestling Trivia again there. I know you perhaps got a little bit usurped the other the other week, but um, yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But, but yeah, Thanks, and um yeah, I mean I, I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit. When where they later on, this again, this is part of that era, they went and cut away to WWF New York. Uh, WWF, WWF New York was such a big thing, like every pay-per-view. They yeah. chucked someone there, hadn't they? Yeah. Uh, weirdly, it was Mick Foley, and weirdly, it was a commissioner, maybe because he probably lived, lived closer enough or something like that. But, um, yeah, that started some of the, the animosity um, uh, and the change um, leading after this pay-per-view uh, where 
Bailey was replaced, I think, uh, not long afterwards. But uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll cover touch that. on that shortly after. But they uh, short in a moment. But they actually made a comment about why are you at WWF New York and not here at and in Survivor Series, and it was yeah, it did kind of set the scene for yeah. something that was was coming on. Um, but Mick Foley, I mean, who was your favourite commissioner, Regal or, or Foley? Oh, you see, I would say. I'd probably say Foley. I, th- I think I'd have to say Foley. He's the fun guy, the fun guy, basically. Whereas whereas Regal was more, you know, despite him being English and we all want to cheer the English guy, he was still like just, you know, um, just, 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 you know, Mr. Play by the rules, I think. And, and it just, um, from a storyline perspective, you just wanted Foley to be be that guy and it was always just so much more going on it the dynamic of, of, of the events changed because of it oh absolutely i couldn't agree more but yeah. with i think with regal there was this old school heel mentality but he was so good at being rubber faced oh, you yeah. know if, if you think about the facial expressions remember that time i think it was uh tajiri had peed into jericho the, jericho, the, jericho peed into the yeah. tent. Yeah. yeah and and he drunk it yeah. And the facial reaction there, I mean, that's a moment you don't forget. No, I know. You know, he sold it so well. Yeah. Uh, he he was, I think, Regal had a bit of a weird career. You know, Stephen Regal and WCW, Lord Stephen Regal, came in as the real man's man in, in the World Wrestling Federation, which was a terrible gimmick to be given. Had his demons, dealt with the demons. And I don't think he ever really then got the run that he should have had because... I think that there's definitely a case where he could have had the trigger pulled on him and been the champion of of the WWF. I yeah. really think that because I think he was he was so technically gifted that you could have put him in the ring with the likes of Benoit. Um, I know we're not going to say it, but you know Benoit or Angle or Austin or Rock or whatever Jericho, and he could have got a good match out of anybody. And we see and we saw that over the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 you know, you, you look back now and you think, oh, it was such a wasted, wasted opportunity there. But there were too many other other names around, I think, at the time, and and, and yeah. probably never ever going to happen. Um, I'd love to have seen a. I mean, we might see it, I guess, because I am I right in saying the uh, the son of Mister Regal is now venturing into the world of, of professional wrestling. Uh, he's in. He's he's in NXT yeah. UK. Yeah, yeah, already. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen him work yet. I don't know what his rate, what his work rate is like. But what I have heard on the on the net is the fact that he is phenomenal. So he will get a call up to NXT 2.0 pretty yeah. quick, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. That will be interesting then to see that father-son relationship span out on NXT. I must yeah. admit, that would be... I could see a manager role coming for Regal there. Ooh. Bye. Oh, I think that would work as well. I would love to yeah. see that. I would love to see that. Uh, That's full-blown heels. Oh, yeah. Okay. Glad and yeah. I have booked it. Listen there to it, Vince. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Next up was the first of the uni- – was the second uh, – well, the first, sorry, of the unification matches. It was the WCW US Championship and the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Championship as Edge defended the US title against Test and the IC title. Uh, the basically the finish for this one was Tess performed a pump handle slam on Edge for the near fall. Edge then came back with a spear on Test, who attempted a full Nelson slam, but Edge countered that into a roll up to win. And finally, 
we had one on the score sheet for the World Wrestling Federation and the first of those unified titles with the Intercontinental Championship remaining active and the end at that point of the WCW United States Championship. Yeah. Or, or would it be? For wow. if the match, if the match, the final match went the other way, I guess it would have been it would have been carrying on as, as the US Championship. But but yes, it was a good match. This uh, this this was probably um, well, you know, Edge was coming up now at this stage. You know, solid hand in singles singles matches. Test um, Test was golden boy, wasn't he? he? Was almost like the golden boy, and just like they wanted to do stuff with him, but it just never clicked. And I think. Um, as as we we'll move on to you know that that he, he reappeared a little bit later, um, but um, yeah, so, solid solid match really, um, and uh, it was good to see Edge win that one, and it was good to see it was good to have the whole you know all right we're at three one now, um, how you know how is this gonna how is this gonna pan out? But at least Edge is still going to be around, so yeah, which is always a good thing. I mean, always. the thing about Test was Andrew Martin was. A big guy. He was everything that Vince liked. You know, big, tall, big power moves. But like you said, he never really clicked with the audience. And whether or not that was his ability um, or his personality, I don't know. But one of the things that I felt with with Test was the minute they paired him up with Stacey Keebler and she started being his marketing manager or marketing expert, the least of the testicles and all that type of thing, you suddenly saw this different side of tests coming out and it, it became a he he became a bit more fun he became a little bit more aggressive but a bit more fun and like you said we're going to see that momentarily in the in the card itself but he was beginning to understand how to put a solid match on you then get someone from like edge who even at this early stage of his career was a future hall of famer and could really get a decent match out of anyone you knew you were in good hands Edge at this point, I think, reminds me of a Seth Rollins. You know, yeah. he's he's the hand. He's the one who's able to go out there, and it doesn't matter who you put him against, he will give you a five star match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And um, when when you know when 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 we think of sort of you know Edge at that time, um, you know this was this was pre injuries and and things like that. He could go, you know, uh, and they they've been put in these in these. You know, when it was Edge and Christian, obviously the tag team matches again, tag team matches coming up. But you know, I think from my eyes at that point in time, looking into this, you know, it was it was. I think it was probably for me like the first time a tag team had properly split. In, mm. in for me, it was like oh, Edge and Christian, you know, they're brothers. As they were, they were sold as brothers. <laughs> Never looked alike, but they were sold as brothers. You know, and and um and and yeah, to see both of them doing well separately. You know just cemented this kind of like they're really they're great at what they do and there's going to be this point in the, in, at some point in the future whereby they're going to come face to face again at some point whether that's in partnership or um against each other and maybe even i mean i think my um sort of 18 year old 17 18 year old mind at that stage was probably coming up with dream scenarios whereby we would have had edge and christian for to unify the intercontinental and the european championship something along those lines um at wrestlemania but um that didn't quite happen like that and uh probably probably good job it didn't (laughs) 
No, because I, I I don't think it would have lived up to expectations. I think we yeah. we had it on such a high pedestal about what we wanted. But what was great, I think, was to see the last run that Christian had in the WWE was to come out in the Royal Rumble and be in the ring with Edge. You know, yeah. that returning Edge uh, and everything else. I think that was very important to, to see as like the closing bookmark of their two runs in, in WWE. Because... I think it's very fair to say that Christian won't be back in the in the WWE now as an active performer. And I think it's fair to say Edge won't leave the WWE and go anywhere else. As much as we might like him to go to AEW and face off against Omega and, and Punk and all that type of thing, it, it's not going to happen. So we've had that, but it was mm. still a great moment yeah. uh, to see. Next up was the Tag Team Championship Unification, and this one was going to be a cracker. It was the WCW Tag Team Champions, the Dudleys, Bubba Ray, and Devon, facing off against the WWF Tag Champs, the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff, inside the 15-foot-high steel cage to unify the belts. Now, Stacey Keebler got involved in this one. She stole the cage door key off the referee and passed Bubba and Devon a table. Matt then prevented a 3D and escaped the cage. Jeff attempted a swanton off the top of the cage through the table, but Devon avoided, causing Jeff to fall through the table. Bubba then pinned Jeff to win the match and unify the Tag Team Championships. And we are back to the Alliance for WWF 1. Put these two teams into a match with tables and with a steel chair, a steel cage. What are you going to get out of it? This is always going to be a cracker. Yeah, carnage. Usually carnage when 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 the two teams are going against each other. This was, I think, the very first. I want to say the very first steel cage match, at least tele- televised between the two teams. Um, I think I think you're right. Yeah. 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 So this, I mean, so so it was everything on the line again. Um, well, I think I found interesting in sort of re-watching this back, and I guess it was starting to hint towards Matt and Jeff going their separate ways, was Matt kind of escaped the cage, left Jeff to do his own thing against both Dudleys, and then went and lost. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. And it was just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But, you know, it was, it, it was it, it, as, as usual with these two teams, you know, you, you, you get what you, what you pay for. Um, there was never a dull moment with the Hardys and, and the Dudleys, was there? It was it was always something going on. And, um, yeah. Do, do, you, do you think it was one match too many for that team? Because, you know, bear in mind they've done TLC, they've done tables matches, ladder matches, they've done the TLC match at WrestleMania 17, which is, you know, as we said, one of the best matches of all time, still up there. And now they're in another gimmick match on a pay-per-view was it one too many would you prefer to have seen somebody else maybe in that in that uh, run possibly but then i think you know when when you look at it you had to have two pretty established teams and there were no other two teams as well established as the dullies and the hardies at this time um you know anybody else i mean we did i think we did have in the in the whole invasion angle we had undertaker and kane win the wcw titles at one point we did yeah um, and, and things like that, but obviously they were being used elsewhere. I think I think this was right. In my mind, it was right. Um, and it's it's crazy to think that, you know, before, probably in six months from this, you know, the Hardys had gone their separate way, I think, and and and, um, and, and the Dudleys had gone their separate way, um, thanks to what happens afterwards. But 
it was it was very much you know um did the right team win i don't think it really mattered if i'm honest other than to other than to sort of cement that you know the alliance are doing doing better and make you fearful but ultimately um yeah it it it, it did everything you you expected i think I think with this one, it didn't matter if you were rooting for the Alliance or for the WWF, you went home happy, didn't you? Yeah. It was, it was just, and and even to this day, you know, Jeff is now coming out to no more words. The, the old thing Junie had in his solo run. Bully Ray is, is obviously no longer active. Devon's a a producer. Matt's doing big time Matt in, in AEW. They're still involved and they still talk about this match in TLC as being one of the standouts in their career. And, yeah. you know, when you think about it, the match is 20 years old and yeah. we still talk about it and still look at it with this pedestal and, and how high it is, that that's a testament to those four. Mm. It, it really is. Next yeah. up was the Immunity Battle Royal. And this was featuring members from both the Alliance and the WWF. The winner of the match would be protected from being fired for one year, regardless of which company won in the main event. Um, I'll go through the competitors in this one now. So in the, no, we won't. In, yes, we will. The Battle Royal, um, we had Bradshaw, Farouk, Lance Storm, Billy Kidman, DDP, Albert, Taz, Perry Satin, Raven, Chuck Palumbo, Crash Holly, Just Incredible, Sean Stasiak, Stevie Richards, Tommy Dreamer, The Hurricane, Spike Dudley, Hugh Morris, Chavo Guerrero, Funaki, Billy Gunn, and who else? Uh, I believe uh, Scotty Too Hotty. But then he got decked backstage by Test. <laughs> and uh, and Test ran, ran on. I came in behind everyone. Basically entered the Battle Royal uh, and won it. Exactly. By eliminating the one Billy Gunn and kicking him out of the ring, which means that Test was guaranteed to stay in either company for the next 12 months. And this, I think, is when Test really just went, boom, Yeah, I've arrived. Because you knew at this point they were going to put some sort of a rocket ship behind Test. It didn't materialize quite the way I think he expected it, but he was definitely in their plans yeah. going forward in 2002. And you could still see that. Uh, next up then was the women's championship. It was a six pack challenge, not to unify, but just for the vacant WWF women's championship. And it was Trish Stratus, Lita, Jacqueline, Mighty Molly, Jazz and Ivory. Uh, Trish Stratus performed the Stratus faction on Ivory to win the title. And this one, I think, Women's wrestling at the time didn't really get the respect that they deserved. But when you're in a match with Trish, with Lita, with Molly, um, and with Ivory to a degree, and definitely with Jazz, you were guaranteed that they were going to come out and pull out all punches, and that they did. Yeah, yeah. And this this was this was of course this was Jazz's um, debut, um, yeah. wasn't it? It was she, she hadn't been seen previously. Um, you know, the women's championship at that time had taken basically a sabbatical during the year. Um, uh, China had actually won it um, at WrestleMania X7. Um, I think defended it once, maybe. Yes, and then she was injured. Yeah, and then injured. And that was that was the end. The belt just disappeared. So I think looking looking back at this, this is really important for the women's championship to get back on the card. Um, 
And I think it's really, really important for it to go to someone fresh and new. Uh, Trish had played the valet, the manager role um, for, for quite some time um, at that point in time. And it was someone brand new to, to win, to capture the, capture the belt. Um, you could have argued it could have gone to an old hand like Ivory um, or, um, you know, or even even Lita. But I think um, Trish winning it, it just built then that, the, you know, the ongoing Trish Lita feud further and further. Um, mm. And that storyline continued on for years. It did. And then what we got was one of the greatest women's competitors in history. Yeah. To this day, people still talk about Trish being where she was and being one of the greatest hall of famer just like uh amy dumas and you know i i saw amy uh dumas at lfcc a few years ago the london film comic con and she did a panel and one of the questions was who was one of your greatest opponents and she came out and said trish not just because they're best friends now obviously but because of the fact that she was so quick to pick up what they wanted her to do and she was athletic and she came in she wasn't the model that they normally hired she had an affinity for it and she worked hard she put the the effort in she learned the business from being the valet that you mentioned with tna test and albert this is really all about test tonight this show um <laughs> to being the greatest female champion second only to moolah yeah yeah now yeah. i don't know about you but what i would love to have seen here is the wcw women's championship so I would have loved to have seen a unification match and then the winner taking that WCW strap and throwing it in the bin on the announce table, recreating that Alondra Blaze Medusa segment from Nitro that we hear about today, because that just would have been the ultimate, hmm. you know, the ultimate moment to have it, seen that happen. The, the complete reversal and the sort of the payoff. Yeah moment when i mean I, I don't even know andy i don't even know who who the wcw women's champion was at the time they didn't have one did they not not at that time no, that was, that was... no it's, it, it's the one strap that they never actively put in which i think again kind of symbolizes what they thought of the women's division at that point because why wouldn't you bring it over yeah yeah you know yeah. they were very much about bringing the men's titles over but why wouldn't you bring the women's belt if it happened now you know, let's say it was Impact versus WWE or AEW versus WWE. You could pretty much guarantee it would be Britt Baker versus Becky Lynch or mm. Britt Baker versus Charlotte Flair. Because it would be, or even the triple threat between the three of them, because it would be that big a draw to have the women on the card to unify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I guess, again, another sign of the times, wasn't it? You yeah. know, it just wasn't... Um, the, the ladies were used for their sex appeal pretty much more than than their than their in ring abilities. And um, yeah, if you look at what who came in through the alliance angle, um, Stacey Keeper and Tori Wilson, Tori Wilson. And no one else. No, and that was it, wasn't it? It was, and it took us a few years. But bear in mind, we got Evolution, we got that Women's Revolution, we got the likes of Sasha Banks, we got Natty Neidhart, we got um, you know the Bellas to a degree we got the women that we needed. And uh, I think I might do a retro on women's wrestling. I think that might be, uh, yeah, you should. That might be an intriguing one to do. Now that then brought us to the main event. And this one lasted 45 minutes. It was the longest match on the card and it was team WWF, the rock 
Chris Jericho, The Undertaker Kane, and The Big Show facing off against The Alliance. Steve Austin, Rob Van Dam, Kurt Angle, Booker T, and Shane McMahon in a five-on-five traditional Survivor Series elimination match. And we'll go through the order of eliminations in this one. So first off was The Big Show, who was eliminated by Shane McMahon. Shane was then eliminated by Chris Jericho. Kane was the third to be eliminated by Rob Van Dam. The Undertaker closely followed by Kurt Angle. Booker T from the Alliance was eliminated by The Rock. RVD was eliminated by Jericho. Angle was eliminated by The Rock. And uh, Jericho was eliminated by Steve Austin. And Steve Austin was eliminated by The Rock thanks to the turn, the switch, the reveal of the mole, the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. What did you think of this one? Yeah, who was the mole? I, I just for for weeks leading up to it, it was and it was there was so much going on. And by this stage in the in the invasion angle, we had our faces and our heels on both sides of 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 the card. So we had our you know you had your rock um, in 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 the WWF um, team. On the other hand, you had Chris Jericho, and they'd been feuding over titles and who was the best you know wrestler in the WWF side of things in the alliance stone cold steve austin with his somewhat failed um heel turn uh sort of throughout 2001 had started getting getting uh getting more and more cheers again um you had kurt angle who had jumped ship at the last minute um and and was basically the you know the bad guy but and it came down to those four right you know those were the last four we had to have our iconic survivor series um, moment, The Rock actually tapping out Kurt Angle to the sharpshooter. Um, so uh, just just to throw that in there, but um, but yeah, it was about who was who was going to do the dirty on who and how was this all going to play out. And I, the 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 tease throughout was that it was Austin who had who had secretly joined back with the WWF. Um, uh, but ultimately it, it wasn't, and it, and it was actually Angle, um, an Angle basically, uh, clouting, um, Austin with a belt, I think. And, and, yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, just, just that moment where again, it, it came down to the last two, you know, the, the big two Austin and rock one more time and, uh, a final rock bottom from, from, from the rock. And they just, it had, I, I think this match had everything um, in, in terms of, you know, you got you had your Shane McMahon stunt moment um, doing the uh, the old, uh, it was, what's, what's the one where he goes from rope to, from coast to coast, coast isn't to it? Coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, Vince should have been in this match, was originally scheduled to be in this match, but he was injured as well, replaced by the big show. Mm. So probably it would have been Shane eliminating Vince, I think. Um, but um but yeah, it just it, the, the momentum built up throughout those forty-five minutes. Um, Rob Van Dam at the time, the hardcore champion, and really, I think the the big the big uh, sort of mover, the, the, you know, the most popular guy to come in through the alliance angle by far. Everybody got behind RVD from from day one. Very much feels like the whole um, um, what's the chap in? Uh, oh, I've forgotten his name now. Adam Cole, right now. Adam yeah. Cole turned up in all elite straight off with the whole, um, you know, Adam Cole, baby thing. Um, mm-hmm. 
RVD came, walked in 20 years earlier to the WWF and everybody knew him as RVD. And and it, it just went from there. Uh, I didn't know him as RVD, mind you, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's my story. Um, but yeah, all the way through this match, it was just like, who is going to win? And it did flip-flop, you know, it really did. You just didn't know. And then Jericho turned on The Rock uh, at one point in time after being eliminated. Uh, Angle came in eventually and and, um, and 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 took out Austin. There was even um, uh, a bit for the for the referees. Uh, El Hepner, who was um, who was who was a referee in this one, uh, got knocked out of the ring at one point in time. In came um, Nick Patrick. Nick Patrick, uh, who then got decked by uh, Austin, yeah. um, who was technically Austin. You know, Nick Patrick was the alliance referee um and yeah no it came down to it and 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 then cue the celebrations of vince mcmahon coming out and standing on the stage at the top of his arms a lot mm-hmm. um and the world was never the same again of course we also had our oh, well, i say this we had the glorious moment of Heyman taking off his headphones really really slowly and jr just laying into him going you're gone you're absolutely gone and yeah, yeah it was beautiful which really did set the scene for the next night. But just one thing, just kind of mention about this match. What was interesting was we went full circle. So the following month at Vengeance, it was the winner takes all, the undisputed champion, the, the unified undisputed champion, which was Jericho, Rock, Austin, and Angle. So it was the final four for that winner takes all match. And also consider the last two men in the ring, Steve Austin in the Rock, a rematch from WrestleMania 17 where when McMahon aligned himself with Vince, you could see where they were playing with that. I don't, I want to say, I don't think anybody expected angle. I think maybe you could see it. You, you could see it coming, yeah. but it following night on Monday night raw, which if you're talking about survivor series, you have to talk about these three iconic moments. The first of them being the debut of one of the most infamous segments in Raw history, the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club, uh, with William Regal puckering up and becoming the first member of that. We, we talked about earlier on Regal being rubber face. We talk about Regal being able to sell everything. I genuinely don't think they could have picked a better person to go out there and do that angle with Vince. No, it was amazing, wasn't it? I mean, the, and then the run that that had afterwards of the whole, I it must have got, I've gone on for years, didn't it? With, it did, you know, yeah. He was next in that. I mean, obviously, the, the, the momentum behind it or the, the idea behind it was obviously Regal to get his job back had to do this on national TV, you know? Yeah. And he did. And he went through with it. And then it became a thing, you know? And, and, um, but yeah, just a, a one a one at a time probably cringeworthy but a wonderful moment looking back at it a little bit the second of those big three moments actually came at the beginning of the show before the kiss my ass club because vince mcmahon came out and fired the alliance commentator paul Heyman, who took a plunge or a lunge at jim ross and they had a bit of a beat down it at commentary who was replaced by Jerry the King Lawler to reestablish the Ross-Lawler relationship because it had been Lawler who left the WWF uh, over the way his 
partner at the time, Stacey, uh, Stacey Carter, Cat, was being treated or, or being handled by the WWE. He went to X, the XFW, the XWF, which was run by Jimmy Hart and uh, Brian Nobbs. And then he returned. And this was a great moment to see the crowd just popped massively when Jerry walked through the crowd and when Ross and Heyman went toe for toe at the announce booth. Yeah. Yeah. Just a wonderful, again, another wonderful moment that came out of this. And um, I know, I know, I know we, we talked about um, Heyman being the commentator throughout the invasion angle. Um, you know, um, Lawler, I don't think he was that he was missed. I don't think he was no. really. I think Heyman, the hell Heyman JR that, you know, again, it just worked. I don't know how King would have fit fitted into it, to be honest. Um I think I, they would have had to have taken one of them off the position. Yeah. Um because you know Lawler's relationship with ECW was never positive. You know, he yeah. went in there in ninety seven as the big WWF heel uh to, to kind of take him over he had no relationship with wcw so how you would play that as part of the alliance angle i don't know jim ross technically could have played the heel hmm. part of that because of the relationship with wcw back in the day but then he'd been released you know uh unceremoniously by by, by eric bischoff so that wasn't there hmm. um so yeah, it was very. I, I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about that until you said it. But no, I don't think Lawler would have made it half as good as what it was. So it was right, you know, that, that everything lined up, and he came back at that point in time. Yeah. yeah. Now the one person who was running around Monday Night Raw, proclaiming proclaiming himself the savior of the WWF, was of course Kurt Angle, who we talked about momentarily, um, and he was going to be rewarded by Vince by being handed the championship. They were going to strip Stone Cold of the WWF title and award that to uh, the Olympic gold medalist until the music hit. And in Charlotte, North Carolina, out walks the nature boy, Ric Flair, the 16-time, or if you listen to his podcast, Ric Flair Uncensored, um, the 21-time world heavyweight champion the nature boy rick flair came out and said that he was the one who bought the stock from shane and stephanie he was the one who had the majority ownership and now they were partners him and vince mcmahon were partners co-owners of the wwf we had that great vince mcmahon pulling the ear uh facial reaction that went that took raw off the air what did you make of of the nature boy arriving at the wwe uh but this is this was again well again i get from from my eyes at the time i'm wondering who the heck this guy is but <laughs> you know in, in, in again in hindsight you know this was just again just this sort of i think and i think this was the thing that when the invasion ended it was like right we've got to try and put things right and i think part of that's bringing Lola back in um Part of it's getting the championships back in order, particularly the, the WWF championship, the world championship, as it was then known instead of the WCW, WCW championship. Yeah. And, and I think bringing Flair in at this moment just cemented that, that like there was a danger of this being WWF running away with things and it kind of trying to fight. I, I don't know which way they would have gone. It had to have someone to go against Vince. Um, 
bringing Flair in 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 North Carolina, genius. You know, yeah, no better way to introduce him. So, um, and then like you said, it set up the whole angle of uh, unifying the, the the championships at, at um, uh, Vengeance, um, and um, then Chris Jericho never shut up about it, did he? Really, after that, but <laughs> still goes on about it now. Still yeah. goes on about it now, twenty years later. But it also set up more than that. It set up. Yeah. No Way Out of 2002 with the arrival of a lethal dose of poison, which was the NWO and that infamous turning of the chair where Vince McMahon's cutting the promo and you can see the back of the chair in the mirror which says NWO. Hogan, Hall and Nash coming into the company. Critics will say it's because their guaranteed contract had come to an end, so they needed a payday. Whatever, we got the NWO in the WWF, which then led us to WrestleMania 18, which was, of course, Hogan versus Rock, um, that that famous match, which is still talked about. And next year, we will be covering WrestleMania 18 because I can't wait to, to talk about that one. Um, so whereas we didn't think we had the stars during the invasion angle, they all of a sudden started appearing uh, post-Survivor yeah. Series, post-invasion. And, of course, bear in mind, it was only... 12 months after that, I think, where Eric Bischoff arrived as the general manager of Monday Night Raw. That's it. That's it. That's the other thing that came out of this, the first original brand split. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it did. It came, um, so so we, we headed out of, uh, out of Survivor Series, like I said, through Vengeance, um, straight, you know, bringing in the NWO at No Way Out. Um, and, um, and then pretty much two or three weeks after wrestlemania we had this kind of like the first ever draft and it was like what the heck's going on but they had to do it in some ways you know it had to distinguish things i think i really love this and i still to this day wish the wwe would get behind this whole um one champion across both shows i know why it needs to be bigger it makes each each show bigger and doesn't sort of distinguish but it, there was still something about having a belt that went a championship that mm. was the top championship between between both shows overall. But mm. um, you know, the other thing I special mention on this, we we led out of um out of Survivor Series, as I said, to Vengeance. Um, we all know how that all know what happened there, but Booker T screws um Steve Austin out of the championship was one of the points. And then we had that brilliant supermarket uh brawl. <laughs> That just for me, that's just like one of the iconic moments. I just love that, you know, Austin and throwing flat bags of flour and all sorts at, at Booker T in, in the supermarket. And I could watch that for for days and days on end, I think, on on repeat. But um, but yeah, no, it was it was the changing face. And 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 in actual fact, the following year, that was when the WWF became the WWE. You know, it was, it was and it was a complete change, brand split and the rest is history, I guess you'd say. It is because it's also interesting to think about the year, how different the landscape of the WWE was just one year later because it was at Survivor Series 02 where the Elimination Chamber was unveiled. You know, where you had Michaels versus Michaels returning to the WWE as an active in ring performer following the SummerSlam 02 match with, with Triple H, the unsanctioned match, to where we went after that, that ride that we went on 
was when I actually really think that this point was the the heyday of professional wrestling, the 0102, 03 mark. They really were riding that wave and then started to come down. We had some great performers, some great matches, a new generation uh, being formed. You know, you think about Austin wasn't around much. The Rock wasn't around much. Goldberg came in for a cup of coffee. Steiner came in. We saw different talents that we weren't used to seeing on WWE. But what I also think was not having that competition in WCW, longevity-wise, hurt the company going forward. That's a talk for another day. And Impact slash TNA, as much as we wanted them to succeed, they were never going to have the budget. Now what we're seeing is what we've wanted for a long time, a true rival to the WWE, which is All Elite, and what they're doing and how they're going out there. And, and really kind of showcasing the WWE's weaknesses. But that's not what we're about. This is about the old school. This is about looking back on the past. If you rated this pay-per-view, Glenn, out of 10, what would you give it? You've got to go. You've got to use the sort of, you know, the scale. The best WrestleMania has got to be a 10, hasn't it? So, I mean, I'd put this at about an 8 for me. I, th I think a solid 8. Um, it built up to such a crescendo over what was going on. And then, as I said, the historical elements of what then happened and transpired the following night on, on yeah. Monday Night Raw um yeah solid eight it was the rebirth wasn't it of the wwe i think at that point couldn't agree with you more i think eight is is just right well that's it that's the survivor series of 2001 how have you enjoyed your your debut on oh, retro chat and I will, say, I will say thank you very much for having me um you know it's it's taken me back i feel like a child again i feel like that well i say a child i wasn't a child i feel like um Back it back. I was back in sixth form, and um, you know, do you want do you want to hear a little, little story, Andy? I was thinking about Go this earlier. So you know, back in the day, I was a little bit of a practical joker. Me and my, me and my mates were a little bit of a practical joker, and uh, we at this time because um, we were we were all into wrestling to some degree, and I used to hear the news of like Monday Night Raw from my mates on a Tuesday morning. Like, did you see the alliance? There's now this alliance thing. But um, we used to have these clocking in and out cards um, in, in sixth form. Yeah, this is this is very old school. But you know, when you turned up for your class, you turned it over, say you were in. There was a load of spare ones, and uh, you know, this this was you know early two thousand. So um, Mr. Craig David was a was a big thing at the time. We actually wrote one out for Craig David, and then throughout each day, we would um, you know clock it in or clock it out. First one in, we'd clock him in. Last one out, we'd clock him out. Fine. You know, it was all a bit of a fun. Other people like Sora, Craig, David, you know, who's, who's, who, who can be possibly called the same name as as as, uh, as the pop star guy? Um, all good until the fire alarm went off once and we're all oh, queued no. up, queued up outside. Um, and I, I still, you know, this is why I tell the story. I still get that little kick out of it. But the maths teacher running up and down shouting, Craig David, Craig David, has anybody seen or heard from Craig David? And just like the kind of like silence and stuff. But I suppose this is an admittance of guilt. And whether the maths teacher watches this or not, I think probably fairly unlikely. But it was yeah. just a bit of fun. And that was the and that was what wrestling was about at the time. You know, it was fun for me. It was, it was, you know, it was interesting. It was um, I didn't have the internet, I didn't have it was just me and my mates knowing you know watching it and enjoying it and um not being not knowing what the news was who mm. were these guys who was and so that's why for me this was just a a wonderful way for me to sort of reminisce with you today andy and um 
yeah, really enjoyed myself. So thank you very much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'd love to have you back on. If you want to come back on again, do another one, then uh, sure. then let's do it. We got a lot more wrestling content to cover. So uh, of course we're heading into Royal Rumble season. So uh, I think a Royal Rumble should be next. Yeah, should be yeah. next on the agenda. I Glenn, agree. it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, long time listener, as you said earlier on of, of the shows that Lee and I used to do back in the day uh, at the Square Circle and the Ministry of Slam. Uh, and it means a lot, I know, to Lee and to myself that you've uh, you've kept listening to us over the years. So thank you so much for coming back on and uh, all the best. Now, if you would like to get in contact with Glenn, uh, you can do. All you need to do is head over to social media and search for GX accounts or visit gxaccounts.com if you are looking for accountancy service extraordinaire. You're going to get it from Glenn. Before we wrap up, though, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do. Uh, all of the subscription details are on screen. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch, Retro Chat Podcast. Or you can tweet me at Retro Chat Pod. And don't forget, all of the audio feeds are on all of the main podcast platforms. Uh, and all that's left for me to say is that's it for this week. Next time you see us or hear us, we will be discussing all things back to the future. We're going to go back to 1985, Hill Valley, Marty McFly, Doc Brown, Lee Tyers, and myself. So it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, but until then, Glenn, thank you so much. To everybody listening or watching, we will see you at the matches. Until then, take care.